0: Thank you for tuning in to the Trevor Talks podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today, we have the amazing privilege of speaking and hearing from actress, author, and one of the stars of the Kendrick Brothers' 2019 box office hit, Overcomer, Mrs. Sherry Rigby. Welcome to the show, Sherry.
1: Hey, Trevor. How are you?
0: I'm doing so good. How are you? You've been busy. I'm
1: Yeah, it's very busy, but doing doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm just super excited. I just want to say congratulations on your new book, Consider the Lilies. How has that been going for you? I saw the cover art. I've read some snippets of it, and I know it's primarily geared towards women, but I've even just been encouraged. Just so much oh. from seeing the little bits and pieces that I've gotten to see, and the cover art is amazing. So great job on that! I don't know who you had do that or if you did it. It just looks great.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you so much. You know what? I love this book, and but I'll tell you, um, I disciple, who is my publisher. He, that group, um, David Henriksen and um, some of his other team members that do all of the artwork and really help to put these books and bring them to life. And so, they just kind of said, "Hey, what is it that you you know want this to look like? What are you thinking?" And I just wanted it to be this beautiful, you know, eye-catching. It's almost like you could put it on your coffee table and people would fall in love with it. And so, I sent them a bunch of ideas, and then they the ones that really came up with it. And what you see on the cover actually is throughout the entire book. So I can't mm-hmm. wait for people to see that. And kind of what you said though, about women, it was really interesting because this book really is, you know, obviously this particular book is geared towards women, but really the, the basic lifestyle principles within mm. this book is really geared for men, women, and you know, I would say even for into teenagers because sure. of the, the practical tools that it puts in place. And and so, um, in fact, I was teaching for a Lifeways women's leadership conference, and one of the women walked up to me and she said, I know this is for women, but actually, when are you coming out for the one for men? Because they need to hear this too. <laughs> so- you
0: and your husband, <laughs> it could be a duo book, which the message <laughs> of the book is to get rooted in your destiny by discovering God's plan. Explain the message how do you want it to be perceived from people?
1: Yeah, well, I really do. I mean, that really is the message today. In our culture, we've really been kind of sold this narrative of, you know, we 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 kind of jump from one thing to the next, right? We're constantly, you know, compare, comparing ourselves or we are walking through just like we are right now. There's this time of confusion. And, um, you know, really what I want people to to take away from this book is that our God is not a God of confusion he is a God of clarity and uh he has given us you know the Bible to really dig into his word and to be reminded that he does have a plan for our lives and we are also um The ones that have to dig into his word, lean into him and pursue him passionately to really see the plan that he has laid before us. And Mm. um, so this book really is that it's really taking people back to the basic principles of getting into their Bible, stop looking to the world uh, to identify themselves with. Stop thinking that they can lose their passion. Be reminded that our God is not a God of confusion, but He is a God of clarity, and ultimately He has a plan for your life. You're the one that has to walk it out. So that's really what this book is all about, and then putting the practical tools into a daily um, use for the reader. I think that's so important in this day and age. Not only will this book take you back into your Bible, but it really does take you through practical tools and principles to use daily as you do your devotion time with the Lord.
0: Oh, and that's amazing. And what a time to put it out. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We're all quarantined Mm -hmm. in our homes. Well, at least everybody except Georgia is. We kind of (laughs) opened up a little early, opened up shops, said it was time to go. But Mm -hmm. we've all been quarantined in our homes. We've all been just trying to stay away from everyone as much as possible. And for you to put out a book, just getting you back into your Bible, getting you back into those classic principles that you base your life on, essentially, that's amazing. Just what a time to put it out. Did you plan that or did it just kind of happen that way?
1: No, it really happened that way. You know, at first we kept thinking that this book was going to come out around Easter yeah, and um, thought, you know, it'll be perfect, right? Consider the lilies, it's got this great artwork and it's, you know, very spring kind of time and then all of a sudden but with the pandemic that you know, everything started to shut down and as things started to shut down, so did, you know, the sale of books and putting them mm-hmm. out there. And of course, everybody started to purchase essentials. And yeah. one thing though, that I've been really encouraged by is that as we moved forward, it really did become more of a, a great gift idea for moms. But yet at the same time, what we really found was that as people were walking into this pandemic and really, um, you know, the first couple of weeks really struggling with what is this going to look like? Fear, anxiety, you know, plans that had ceased to, um, you know, all of our lives, right. They've all kind of ceased. And so plans that have ceased, um, you know, maybe parents that were out working with their kids, you know, their kids in school, all of a sudden they find themselves working at home and homeschooling and trying to juggle. And all of a sudden we go back to this process of this toil and toiling and spinning in our lives and so it really did come out at the right time and I really do hope that people get a copy of it to, to read now I mean I think that it is very specific because there are a lot of people even though that we have started to open back up in a lot of areas I think there's going to be a lot of people that may not you know go back to their jobs they may still be um, at home working they may still be homeschooling they may not be going back to college and I think this book really does put those principles back into place to say Hey, no matter what season of life you're going in, God doesn't want you to toil and spend. He does want you to connect with him, get mm-hmm. rooted and know that he has a plan for your life. And, um, I think it's something that people will really enjoy. Uh, in fact, I just talked with a guy today that I was working with on the devotional and he said, you know, Sherry, he goes, I sat down and I read it in a day and it's a pretty hearty book. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> That's so cool. He sat down and read it in a day. How many pages is it?
1: Yeah, I think it's like 200 and maybe 65 some pages but it also has like you know practical tools and principles at the chap- yeah. at the end of the chapters that asks you like mm-hmm. consider this and you know really asks you to dig deep into practical tools like, hey, you know, are you balanced? Are you, you know, how are you mentally, physically, and spiritually walking out life? And, Mm. um, you know, what kind of things are, what's your prayer time looking like? And how can you set aside that time? Like, it really does each chapter put into basic principles of how you can incorporate those into your life and, and really take inventory, right? Like, I think so often we read, books and we go oh that was really great and it kind of you know fed me for that moment but this is really a book I think that constantly is taking inventory of what you have going on daily and that you mm. can always go back to and pick it up again and go oh I need to go back to that particular principle
0: I love that one of the things that I say often is anxiety depression these yeah. obstacles in our life they're not something that like Benny Hinn's gonna slap you in the face and you're gonna be done with it it's something that you mm-hmm. have to overcome daily
1: right it's right,
0: literally a fight that you have to fight daily, and some harder than others. But for me personally, I've struggled with anxiety and depression in my life, and I let it defeat me for two whole years. I was mm-hmm. working for AT and T in the corporate world, was very successful with them. Bought a house mm-hmm. at nineteen. Like I thought I was living the high life, but I I just wasn't happy, and I walked mm-hmm. away from it all to pursue this crazy vision that God had for me. And sure enough, within Five months of quitting my quote-unquote dream job, I actually started fulfilling my calling. So it wasn't something that I could have planned. It's just like I felt God lead me away from that job, and then, like, he made it happen.
1: Right. Right. Right, which is so great that you're saying that and I think so many people do deal with anxiety, fear, depression there's so many things right that are coming at us comparison you know comparisons uh, social media I mean you know there's so many things that are happening that are going on in our world and that really can tip us quite easily. I'm always sure. reminded of like John 21 and it talks about you know it's you know Simon Peters like looking at jesus and the other disciples leaning on you know the the bosom of jesus and and at that particular point in time jesus is like you know hey do you love me and he asks you know him three times and and you know the only thing that <laughs> that simon peter can keep saying is yes 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 and then he goes but what about him and i think that's our culture right like we're constantly you know striving we're looking at others we're looking at what they have this picture perfect life sure. um We've been, like I said, we've been sold this narrative of what life should look like through this filtered lens. And yet, you know, we've also been taught, like, what's your passion? What's your desire? What's your, you know, and that's really not the way that God has us if we go back to just strict really cool and i don't want to say strict but really cool biblical principles you know he talks about what is your passion well your passion is supposed to be jesus you know what are your desires well it's to seeking his desires first and his will um and and those are the things that we have to get back to because when i think when you do that when you even though you may have thought you were in a particular place that was your dream job you know When you are seeking the will of God and you are going through things, he does reveal himself because that's who he is. And And I think when you step in and say, yes, it's that point of impact where he can say, now I can do what I need to do with you. And you are actually stepping out in faith and believing that I am going to take care of this. I have a plan for you. And you, though, are still going to put into principles the tools and the work that you need to do to accomplish the task. Yeah. And that's the power of it. You know, that's how it all comes together.
0: Yeah. And like, one thing for me is I never thought that I would be able to tour the country and share my story, interview people. Mm -hmm. I never thought that any kind of platform would ever be a possibility for me. I always knew that's what I was really called to do. But I was just like, I'm just a little kid from Social Circle, Georgia. Like, I'm a 22 year old now. At the time, like, I remember being 16 years old and just thinking, like, there is no way. I would ever be able to make it in any kind of capacity in an entertainment industry or the music industry. There's just no way it could happen. But obviously God had a different story. It's like how many yeah. people actually give up on their dreams before they even chase them?
1: Right. Well, how many that's, people? I, Oh, Oh my goodness. So many. And I think that is the the leaning in, you know, I'm the same way as you Trevor. Like For me, coming to Hollywood, when I started pursuing a dream, this this dream that God had given me early on, and he was opening the doors. You know, I always Mm -hmm. say, like, look to see what's fruitful, right? And he was opening doors, and it was mind-blowing to me. And, you know, when I remember coming to Hollywood at 39, people said, you're never going to get a job. You're never going to be able to work in the entertainment industry. You're never going to be able to do these things. And here I am now, you know, 10 years later, and Mm -hmm. I've experienced some of the greatest, you know, um working with some of the greatest people in the faith world, some great movies, some very big box office movies. I've been, I've, I've encountered so many things, but I, my past, same thing. Like my past was, my past was messy and awful. And I kept thinking, God, how can you use me? What can you do with this? What is this? And, and it really was like stepping out and just believing, but really, you know, also leaning into him and seeking his will for what his will actually look like for my life and not listening to the world, but listening to him. Yeah. When did you move to Hollywood? Yeah. So I moved to Hollywood in 2009. So I've been, actually, I just celebrated 11 years here in Hollywood.
0: That is a while. Now, how did you get into acting? (laughs) Was it something that you pursued in high school or what? I guess we should get into your story. Like where did Sherry Rigby start her walk?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) this could get messy. Um, (laughs) You know, i I'll tell you what I as far as acting goes, the only thing that this this woman that you're talking to had ever done prior to um you know actually taking a step of faith, and I'll tell you about how I got into it was when I was a little girl I dreamt about you know maybe someday like any probably you know many youngsters that go into a movie theater and they they watch these big movies um and they have a desire to to do what those actors are doing on the big screen but my closest thing to ever putting a a a play up uh, or a performance or anything like that was when I was in grade school and I played Mary you know, and that was it. And so I had no idea what this was going to look like, but God did. And, um, I had become a teenage mom. Mm. And by the time I was 16, almost 17 years old, I had had my first baby and mm. yeah, I, I, you know, I finished high school. I graduated still. I graduated with an, with a, you know, six week old baby in my arms.
0: And so did um, you, did you walk your graduation walk with your kid?
1: well, not with my kid per se, but you know, it's really funny because back in those days, well, I shouldn't say that back in those days, but, or funny, but um, you know, when I was in high school back in the eighties, it was kind of a crazy time. And um, what was really interesting is in that particular time for me, I was already starting to receive some scholarships and, you know, preparing like kids do to go to college. And when I, when I found out that I was pregnant, they actually asked me to leave my high school and to go to a school for all pregnant teens. Mm. And I was going to have to graduate with them. And I actually petitioned the school. I got straight A's and they let me graduate. I did, I did not receive any of my scholarships. I will tell you that that was taken from me, but I did Mm. graduate. Um, and I, and I walked down and I got that diploma, which was, you know, huge that nobody can ever take that away from me. So
0: So yeah. you petition your school. What did that look like?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, they, I mean, they just I've done didn't...
0: it too is why I'm asking.
1: <laughs> you know, they didn't, they didn't really have any, I don't want to say desire. They just didn't have any, um, you know, insight or foresight. Maybe I should say um, to bring me back and let me graduate with a school. Mm-hmm. I think they had thought, you know, she's going to go to this school with all these pregnant girls, you know, this is going to become her, this is this, we want her to be there and, um, and, and not to come back and do the graduation with my high school. And so I just went in and I said, you know, I've worked really hard to keep my grades up. I'm an A student. Um, and you know, I've, I've done everything you've asked me to do. And, and so I'd like to be able to come back and walk with the the students that I've grown up with. And so they finally agreed to that. And I hadn't had any, you know, prior issues in my high school or anything like that. So there really was no, no way they could say no.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So from high school, you were married in high school, you, um, got pregnant on your, um, honeymoon. Had your child, graduated high school. What happens
1: next? Yeah. So I had married a a guy. He was, I was in an abusive relationship for um, several years, you know, something a lot of people, you know, nowadays, I think there's much more conversation that happens. But um, I had started, uh, I had met a young man when I was, I guess, between like 13 and 14 years old and he was older than I was. And he was, um. He was just very mentally abusive and very scary individual. And um, before I knew it, you know, I was sucked into this relationship. I really didn't have a high school life. I didn't have, you know, not not your typical teenage years. Um, I was constantly looking over my shoulder. And so that's even how it went down when I was married. And so he ended up, by the time uh, we had about about a year and a half, maybe two into our marriage, he had gotten into drugs pretty heavily and alcohol and um, you know, I, I just, I knew that this wasn't something that I could keep, you know, living with. And before I knew it, I was also doing drugs and just trying mm-hmm. to cope with life. And I found myself early one morning after a night of binging, um, on my knees in, in a bathroom in in my bedroom. Um, and I, I saw this dead woman standing in front of me in this, in this mirror, in this, um, little bathroom and it just scared me me to death and i went down to my knees and i remember calling out and saying you know if there's really a god if you're really there i need you Mm. and um oh it just tears me up every time you know because even though at that point i still really didn't know who god was i mean i had heard about him growing up and i had raised my hand like you know, your typical kid when they hear the message of heaven and hell, you know, and of course I didn't want to go to hell, but I didn't know who Jesus was, (laughs) you know, I had no idea. Um, but when I called out to him that night, he saw me, you know, he heard me and, um, he rescued me. And, and from that point on only a few days later, I would received a phone call from a, a, a modeling agency that, that had seen my picture, which was just, you know, too long of a story to tell, but, um, and they ended up hiring me for a photo shoot. And it was just this wild journey from that point on. And I, I, I ended up taking the job. And when I came back um, from this particular shoot that I was on, my ex-husband was gone. And um, that, that just sparked in me. I, I knew that I either needed to change, I needed to get out of this relationship. I, mean, I was either going to live in the relationship and die, or I was going to get out of the relationship and die
0: yeah it's, so that's so like that's just a beautiful like you went through the ringer, but you still came out with your faith, and it's it's not even like you were looking for it. You said you were binging, then you woke up the next day in the bathroom and had that encounter with God has yeah I'm sure you've had some instances where you've had a rocky faith since, but you know he saved you in that night he saw you, and yeah a lot of people don't think that God sees them, but what would your message to them be? Like if they're in a situation like you were, where their mm-hmm. husband is verbally or physically abusive with them and they feel like God doesn't see them and they feel like they're just being overcome by everything else except God, mm-hmm. what would your mm-hmm. message for them be?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's such a great question. I think, you know, my overall message for them is to never give up hope and to know that he he does see us and he does hear us and, you know, he met me on that floor. Um, mm. You know, I had to walk through certain things and they'll have to walk through certain things as well, but they have to step out in faith. And that is a really scary thing when you have somebody that's threatening your life or mm. threatening to do things, you know, take your kids or whatever it might look yeah. like. But, you know, we do have to make that choice, but God does see us and he is the greatest warrior that we could ever have. And when he sees us and he identifies us as his child, um, he will fight for us just like he did all the way to the cross. Mm -hmm. And, um, there is no greater love than that. And so, you know, anybody that's listening to this, if they're going through that, this is a time to know that there is no greater love. There is no other love that's overcome, um, you know, the devastation and the, the hurt of this world, like Jesus Christ, and he will see them, he's with them and he will, he, he will be in that storm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, and I'll tell you, Trevor, like for me with that, you know, cause there's a lot of people that go, oh yeah, you know, I called out to God and yeah, you know, he was there, but then I didn't really, you know, live my life and, and I've, you know, done this, this and this, and how can he forgive me? And, you know, I called out to God that night, and, you know, I still had years ahead of me that I wasn't walking with God. I still didn't know what a personal relationship looked like with Christ. I still didn't know what it looked like to know who my ultimate romance was in my life. I was still looking to the world. And um, and so by the time I was 25 is really when it came down is that I, I was uh, introduced to grace, you know, to the to this message of grace and how Jesus actually does see us. And, and, and I would say that's something that they need to tap into too, you know, is they need to seek out what it looks like the Abba father that, that loves them and and has grace and mercy for them. And, um, you know, that's when I really, really heard a message of grace. and, And that moment is really when I, I understood that This wasn't about religion. It wasn't about whether or how many things I had done wrong in my life, good or bad. This was about a savior that was willing to go to the cross and die for me. And I needed to know who he was. And I needed to know why he did what he did for me and to give me everlasting life. And that from that point on was my time that I started to really dig in and seek out who Jesus was and what he needed to be in my life in order for me to actually do this journey.
0: Oh, I love that. And you wrote all about that actually in its own book, Beautifully Flawed. You shared the good, Mm -hmm. the bad and the ugly truth behind what makes Sherry, Sherry and who you are today. What Mm -hmm. is... What have you seen come out of that book? Like I we'll get into October Baby and everything in a minute, but yeah. the book Beautifully Flawed, it it's all in the title. You're just reminding people that we're all beautifully flawed. And even though like we can appear on the other side, like we have mm-hmm. Jesus, everything is great and it may look good and dandy, but it's it hasn't always been that way.
1: No, and I think we still struggle, right? Like yeah. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that I have you day in and day out because I can be really ugly. <laughs> <I can> be- <laughs> and like
0: in a perfect example of that is the Overcomer premiere in Houston was my first like time doing a red carpet event and right. on the way to the airport I had someone driving me and I just had the worst panic attack like
1: mm-hmm. I literally thought
0: I was going to puke like mm-hmm. I didn't know how I was going to go do this interview blah 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 so the day starts off 4 a.m going to the atlanta airport having a panic attack like almost in tears my body just i just feel like i'm dying and suffocating so i fight through that get on the plane get to houston get to the hotel walk in and i instantly felt like imposter syndrome because the place was so nice it was like i don't belong here at all so i go up to my room I set an Mm -hmm. alarm to take a short nap, and it did not go off. The premiere started at 6.30. I wake up at 6.10. Um, Wow. So I end up, like, taking a quick shower, getting my suit pressed and everything, and I get to the premiere as it's about to start. And (laughs) that was, like, it it was just funny because I had been praying for that opportunity my whole life, but, like, it reminded me from the get-go that, like, You know, things aren't always going to be beautiful. I didn't have an agent or a manager there to make sure I was able to do things, and I almost missed that opportunity. But I think that God gave me that experience up front to show me that, like, okay, things are happening, but it's not always going to be as cut and dry as you would think. And it actually prompted me to write a blog post about when you chase your dream, When you see it as a dream and when it becomes Mm -hmm. your job, are you willing to fight through the hard parts of it? Like if you get your dream, are you willing to work for it? Because it's going to become a job. It's going to become a responsibility. And Mm -hmm. if you're reaching a platform like what you did with Overcomer, it gave you this whole new platform to speak to people and speak to women on abortion and just a bunch of different topics that people need to hear. It's almost as if, okay – I've prayed for this my whole life. It's here. What's next? But it's not really what's next. It's how can I steward what he's already given me? How right. can I give thanks for that? How can I be generous to my jealous God for that? I think that God's jealous. I know he is. And he wants to yeah. hear us say that we love him. He wants yeah. to know that. So it's just like being thankful for what he's already given us and how to steward on through the next steps, which mm-hmm. what gets me into the next part is like, one of the first big movies for you was October baby. Mm -hmm. How did that role come up for you? You had no clue at all what the role would have entailed until you read the script, but kind of give us an overview of how October baby happened for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. October baby really was, um, a change. It was the, one of the catalysts for my career for sure. And really what God was getting ready to do. Um, and, you know, October Baby, kind of what you were talking about with Beautifully Flawed. October Baby is really what was also the catalyst for the ability for me to write Beautifully Flawed. Um, but that movie was really, um, gosh, what an incredible, you know, project. Uh, I had worked with the Irwin Brothers. I was actually introduced to the Irwin Brothers by this incredible man by the name of Chaz Chaz Corzine and um, back in two thousand. I guess probably towards the end of 2007, beginning of 2008, something like that. And um, I went and did the music video for the Irwin Brothers for casting crowns for the movie um, uh, Fireproof. What song was it? It was called Slow Fade. Oh, great song. Yeah. It's such a good song. So we, we really had, you know, they shot this very cinematic, um, and I was working with the brothers in Alabama at the time. And, you know, this is like th- the cool thing about that. I look back and when something about the, my book now with consider the lilies is I talk about God's mapping and the lineage and how he connects you to people, you know? And so here I was working with the Irwin brothers back in, you know, two, beginning of 2008. And, you know, that, particular job was a job that was for fireproof for the Kendrick brothers, you know, and 10 years later I'm on the set doing overcomer with them. So you just, you know, God does connect us. And, but anyway, it was really interesting because I'd worked with them on that particular project and um, uh, about a year and a half had gone by and we'd stayed in contact the the video one music uh, music uh, video of the year the Dove Awards and, you know, just had gotten a lot of um, playtime with the movie, of course, from Fireproof and so on. And so it was really a great success. Well, in 2009, when I had moved to Los Angeles, um, I actually had received a phone call from John Irwin and he was so funny. We were I was driving on the 101. I'll never forget it. And he started sharing with me about their first movie script, that they had their first movie script. And he told me the name of it. And he said, but, you know, I don't want to tell you about the movie. and I don't want to tell you about the character, but there's a character in it. And we really, really believe that you're supposed to play this. And we just want you to read it. And if you like it, it's yours. And I thought, well, this is fantastic. And so I went home, and and my husband already had it printed out for me. And the cool thing was, is like I see this picture. That my movie script came with two pictures: one on the cover and one in the middle of it, which doesn't normally happen. And the cover was Rachel Hendricks. And my mm. husband was like, "Wow, you know, you guys look so much alike." And my husband, so true said, though. Yeah, yeah, he's like, "You guys look so much alike," and. You know, so the next thing I know, I'm—he's got me like set up. You know, um, I've got like my hot lemon water, and you know, I'm sitting there next to the fireplace, and I start reading the script, and I have no idea what I'm reading. And I literally, like, I don't know that I'm into page ten, and I'm train wrecked, mm-hmm. and I'm just sobbing, and I'm thinking to myself, "This is unbelievable. They're making a movie about abortion survivors," which we had actually two abortion survivors that went to school with my oldest son. Mm. Most people do not know there are abortion survivors. And I'm thinking to myself, this is crazy. So then I get to about the midway through the, the movie and I see the second picture and the second picture is actually from the church that I filmed slow fade in. Back, you know earlier with the brothers and i was like wow oh this is just you know all kind of spinning and the next thing i know i read about this character and i'm like i think they forgot my character because i'm not like i don't see anything and i'm reading or i'm not reading my character yet i'm reading the jasmine guy character yeah I'm like i'm just not seeing what it was i'm not you know, and then I turn the page and all of a sudden I start reading about Cindy Hastings and about this woman and how she worked at the law firm. And I just, I like melted right there. And I just, I started having talk about anxiety attack mm. um, because I was reading a script that had literally been written like 20 years earlier that paralleled my life.
0: No way.
1: And I was just, it was unbelievable. I mean, I'm literally like reading about this attorney, working in at this law firm. I was a paralegal for years. I was post-abortive. My child didn't survive, but I was definitely post-abortive. And then the thing that seals the deal of October baby is I'm turn the next page and here's this woman. And, you know, my character is telling her then husband, you know, here's what I've done. And I had that same thing happen in my life that I had to go and tell my husband that I had done. and it was devastating and so that was really this like moment in time of October baby and I remember calling you know John Irwin and just saying oh my gosh you know you're not going to believe this and we both just sat in awe because we realized you know when the hand of God is on something you know he is really the one that's writing your story and and so from that point on you know I went and filmed October baby, and I I can only tell you like I got onto that set, Trevor, and my life, what God did in a few days and filming those scenes literally changed my life, gave me a platform, and all of a sudden it launched me into the next part of what God was calling me to.
0: And for the funny thing is, before I even met you, I'd seen October baby, and I was just a wreck watching it it was like mm. i could never imagine like being in her shoes and actually finding your mother and i don't want to spoil the movie for anybody but um you mentioned yeah. rachel Hendricks; she plays the um survivor that ends yeah. up finding you her mother and i like throughout the movie if you're a young like single christian guy watching it you're gonna like develop some kind of in love season throughout the movie to <laughs> Hannah's character, just because yeah. uh, she's a beautiful girl. She's did an amazing job. Everyone did an amazing job in that movie. And it's, it's, it was just such a powerful story. And mm. then I went back and watched it a few weeks ago when we first talked about doing this interview. And I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't, I I didn't even realize it was you. Like you two mm. looked like mirror images. And then I watched it through the credits and mm. I would say that the most impactful part of that film wasn't even supposed to be there.
1: It and wasn't it's your supposed story. to be- It's your story. <laughs>
0: yeah. And yeah. It, y'all didn't realize until after you had started filming that that was going to happen. Right.
1: Well, you know, what was crazy is because um, the Irwins actually came to me a year after we had filmed October baby, October baby was filmed in 2010. They came to me in 2011 and said, would you be willing to share your story? Mm. And I said, sure. And they actually came where you hear me talking about it. They're in my home and studio city filming me talking about my story and about being part of this movie and how it's moved me and um, how it's changed my life and what I have walked through as a post-abortive woman. And Um, then the movie releases and what they did though, is they had a a, kind of an early screening. Um, maybe some people remember this, but they, they screened it. And I want to say maybe in Atlanta, maybe Mm. Alabama, there was a few places they screened it. And I actually got a call from Andy Irwin the morning after it screened for the first time to the public. And I didn't know that that interview had been attached to the movie. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Pleasant surprise.
1: It was, it was because here's the thing is this, it it was the surprise in the sense of, I mean, if you can think about this, you know, when you're in a movie and you're playing a role, you're still playing a role. I mean, it's an intense movie. It's uh, obviously that's got some polarizing, you know, issues that we're talking about. Right. But you don't ever think that at the point where you're sharing a story or your testimony that the next part of that is going to be whether or not you're going to be willing to tell people that you were a teenage mother, you were post-abortive, you've aborted a child, um, you've gone through the life that you've gone through when you're believing in that moment that this is going to be your launching pad for what's going to launch you into your career. Now, mind you, I'm in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I'm all these things, and I'm supposed to be according to the world. And here, God's saying, "Are you really going to step in with me and let me tell your story? Because that's what needs to happen in this moment."
0: Mm. And now you've got your son and his yeah. girlfriend with different colored hair. I love following <laughs> your Instagram posts.
1: <laughs>
0: it's like you've been given a double portion. Like in Second Kings two nine, God's given you a double portion yeah. of a joy through yeah. that but i know personally um, some people that have actually gone through with abortion as well and mm-hmm. i've i've seen people cry like mm-hmm. 10 15 years after just because they're like what would my son or daughter be doing like i don't yeah. even know what their gender what like just all these questions that people have about their abortions and just things that they have gone through in their life and haven't addressed it. So mm-hmm. for that a woman or even the father of the child that they made the decision together, or maybe they made it mm-hmm. alone, from someone who has been there and someone who has walked through that and someone who is championing the fact that God has a purpose for everyone's life. What mm-hmm. would you tell to someone that's struggling with that, whether that it's recent or it's baggage from a while ago?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I think, you know, what I realized in doing October baby and then having, you know, God really did call me out to go and share my testimony. And so I, I spoke for two years, nonstop to pregnancy care homes, teenager, you know, teenage, you know, maternity homes. Um, and I was always, um, I shouldn't say shocked, but, but there was, I guess a shock moment or a shock factor that I would have, you know, ages from 12 years old to 80 years old, standing in a line waiting to talk to me and share their story. And a lot of these, especially the older women and even some of the men, they were Christians, they knew the Lord, and yet they were still living with this shame, this very dark cloud over them. And, you know, my my one thing I would just say to them is, you know, Jesus already knows it. Like, He's already taken care of it. He's already died for you on it. And the only one that keeps putting that heavy burden back on again, you know, that yoke is, is, you know, us, us as individuals, we allow the enemy to toy with us and to tell us how bad we are, um, how flawed we are, right? Um, and that God could never forgive us from, you know, that, that sin. And, and I remember, you know, I've had so many conf- conversations like that and I've said, you know, if anything please find somebody that you can trust. And the moment that you bring it into the light, your life will be changed because God has already forgiven you. He has Mm -hmm. already forgiven you. And if you're still feeling it, repent, you know, that was a part of my process. I, I remember before I even went to, to the set of October baby, you know, I thought that my, well, I know my, I know my sins had been forgiven as the East is to the West. It says, right. But God called me in a moment when I was on my knees, devastated, thinking this was the first movie that he was giving me about abortion. This wasn't my picture of what it looked like, what I was going to be doing. But here it was this particular topic. And I remember on my knees just going, okay, you know what? God was calling me to repent, you know, and seek Mm -hmm. his forgiveness. And, you know, the moment that I started to really seek his forgiveness and understand also the grace and mercy and him dying on the cross and, you know, his he, he is a just and loving god and he wants us to share our stories right yeah. um, was the moment of freedom and i would encourage each and every person that's listening to this is that's freedom christ died on the cross for us to have freedom he doesn't want to hold you captive by that in fact if anything you know in the book of revelation it says by the testimony and by the blood of the lamb they will come and that's why you know beautifully flawed was so important in writing it because it's beautifully flawed finding the radiance and the imperfection of your life, we are imperfect. And it is Christ, the Savior, that died on the cross for us that makes us perfect, that makes us mm. beautiful, and He's forgiven us. Um, and so that that's something I just would encourage everyone to do. And the moment they start sharing that story, they will find freedom like they've never known before.
0: Oh, I love that. And you worked with some amazing people on that film, John and Andy Irwin. I was just yeah. out promoting... I still believe for them, like the past year, and I never got to meet them, but just their whole team is amazing. And it's not even that with them being like Christian filmmakers and they make Christian films, like I still believe the film I was out promoting that that's honestly some of the best production I've ever seen. Um, Yeah. Just from the acting and. Just every aspect of that film was perfect, and I think that God used that, like, me in that season of promoting that film and just hearing the same story over and over and over again. It's like you can be going through hell and back, and God can still use you. You just need to be reminded, like, you know, just like Jeremy says in his lyrics, even when I don't see I still believe. Right, um, and right. it, it's just amazing to see how Christian film is taking over. But one that you were a part of, you were a co-star in Overcomer of last year, which was the number one family film of the year. Mm-hmm. How has the success from that affected you today?
1: Oh, goodness. You know, Overcomer was such an incredible experience for me to work on. Um, you know, I think the entire process uh, has been... Really life changing for me, first of all, just working with the incredibly just the talent that was on it, you know, and that's not just like talent in front of the camera. I mean, this was like an entire team, Mm -hmm. um, you know, cast and crew and all the volunteers, you know. Oh, I, I can tell you right now, like starting the, our days with devotion and prayer, you know, the Kindred Brothers are the real deal. And what they did was they influenced us in a way and reminded us that really, you know, the movies about identity, really our identity is not in whether or not we're making a movie in front of the camera or behind it or whatever that looks like, but our identity is in Christ. And, you know, that was such a major Process, talking point, reminder each and every day that we were there. And in that process was really um, not only getting to know the Kendrick brothers and so many incredible people that I now get to call my family and do mm-hmm. life with, but um, just also speaking, you know, uh, sharing more about um, a mentor. I really believe in God's plan for our lives. I really. I've been able to share more just with this book, Consider the Lilies. Like this is, you know, this book didn't come, you know, about over the last year. This is a process I've been using in my life for the last 10, 11 years that I've been in Hollywood. Um, That's come from this. Um, There's just definitely some really great opportunities. But more so than anything, I think Trevor is just really the people you know, that I've been able to, um, meet and work with, you know, I'm always reminded that God is the God of relationship. And that to me, that's such a beautiful thing because at the end of the day, um, whether we're in relationship first and foremost with Christ, he pours into us and we get to be, um, in relationship with others. And those relationships inevitably help us walk out life and, and, and do this thing called life that we get to, you know, we get to, um, Enjoy and create in, and um, that's something for me with Overcomer that was just a highlight. The people are just fantastic on all levels,
0: and I can second that. That was like I said, it was my first like red carpet interview gig, I guess you can say. And I was only there for the in like the marketing of it, and what was that two or three weeks? And I felt a part of the family, like Mm -hmm. it was just a big family. Um, One thing that I was really surprised of is how close you all had gotten, and between you and Jack Sterner, Priscilla Shire, all the Kendrick brothers, everybody there was there because they felt called to be there. There wasn't anybody there that was just there to collect a check, even down to the marketing team, Jennifer Willingham and everyone over at Epic. like Everybody had a purpose to be there. There was no negativity. I saw no drama, and that is a very, 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 very rare in the film industry. So with, I second that, that whole experience was just a close family. It didn't matter if you were there for two years or two days, like you were welcome into it. And that, that was like, that made it so easy and took a lot of stress off of me. Like I, I felt like it was going to be like me coming in and just people were like, I've always heard that actors and actresses are rude. And obviously that was not the (laughs) case for everyone. (laughs) So like God used you all and allowed Mm. you to become family. And even down to Mm -hmm. it, like you've played in roles where you indirectly got involved with a film. Like it was about your life essentially. And you got to see it play on screen. What about the scene um, with you and Rachel in the film, or Hannah, her character, in the film, in your office. Can you tell us a little bit about the personal experience you had with that?
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as, um, you know, oh, you mean back to October Baby?
0: Yes, October Baby.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, well, first, I would just say, you know, in each movie, another thing is just really these are really incredible stories that Mm -hmm. we get to tell. And even in an overcomer, it's like finding these moments that I get to portray a character that really speaks to, um, you know, women or husbands and wives. And, and, you know, in an overcomer, it was really about partnership and forgiveness Mm -hmm. and, and really how do we, you know, walk through a marriage and all those great things. Right. Whereas an October baby, you know, this movie um, for me, and especially with meeting Rachel, you know, for the first time, of course, seeing a picture of somebody is, is one thing, but when you're face to face with them is a whole nother thing. And I had only met, we were, we were headed to set and I was picked up by, you know, I had a car pick me up and, um, Rachel was in the car and, at first we just kind of sat and talked and we only had about fifteen minutes prior to set and we just kind of talked about these scenes a little bit and started, you know, kind of getting to know one another a little bit, but we wanted to make sure that we weren't too familiarized with one another because, you know, that doesn't really always play out in a scene the way you would want it to. Yeah. And so we had this conversation, but what happened in this is once we got to set, we both kind of went our own ways because we had to go into wardrobe and makeup and, you know, the director's talking to you. And, and so the next thing I know, we're getting ready to shoot that off the scene where she is in my office and I, I come in and I. I find her. And that particular scene, I remember thinking, well, this is the easiest probably scene of all of these because I'm just having this conversation with this young woman and trying to figure out who she is. And then when I realized, but what happened was, is that God knew exactly what needed to happen in each one of these short scenes, because what was going to happen was he was going to take the audience through an emotional roller coaster. Um, and so what I went through, I really believe a lot of other people went through, but when I saw her for the first time, I was looking at the face of a daughter that would have been the same age as my, my child. And I really believe that I aborted a daughter and I felt so much shame in that moment, Trevor, that I could barely look at her. I could barely look her in the face with the shame that I felt and the, anxiety and I, I i remember thinking wait a minute this wasn't part of the the overall plan of what this the scene was supposed to look like in my mind but it was the setting of the stage for what was to come next and that was when she leaves the note for me and that particular scene was one of those scenes that people said you know i felt like i could I could feel God in that moment. And I said, you know, for me, that scene was really the moment that I got to sit on the lap of Jesus. And it was the the time when I heard him say, you've been forgiven. Mm. And that moment was, that was so real and so audible to me and so um, just amazing. And I, I really think that I had to feel what I felt before I went into that second to really understand to really understand the forgiveness that I was going to encounter mm. and sitting on the lap of jesus where he 's saying you know i 've forgiven you and, and um, you know and then to go into the next scene so it 's like it was the perfect really set up for me, and I just remember Rachel was really the catalyst for that because without seeing her beautiful face and really seeing who she was and having the moments that she had, I don't, I don't know how it would all come down, but it was very powerful and it definitely changed my life. And I I pray to God all the time that it's changed many of others.
0: Well, God has already answered that prayer to my knowledge. Millions of people have seen that film and I think everybody doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. You'll walk away from October baby and even overcomer front with a sense of perspective for October, baby, you're never too far gone. Like yeah. it's, you are never too far gone. You are not a mistake. You are not a burden. No. And um, you're never too far gone for redemption. And then with the overcomer, just about your identity, like, where is your identity? So one thing for me that I took away from overcomer is like, I struggle with mental health. I'm a mental health advocate. I talk about that a lot, but I, came, I walked out of Overcomer with a phrase in my head that I couldn't get out, and it's, you're stronger than your symptoms. You're, you're, not, you're owned by your – your identity is not anxiety. It's not depression. So we're currently working on some merchandise for that to where people can actually wear that. Like you were stronger <laughs> than your symptoms. It's going to be a campaign. It's going to be – Something that people can take and make it their own. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear what God's doing in your life. You are not defined by your diagnosis. You are stronger than your symptoms. And I think that this, even this episode, people hearing your story and what you've gone through and then going and mm. reading Beautifully Flawed and Consider the Lilies, people are going to be influenced towards, back towards God, And you have taken them on that journey, and God's doing so much in your life. And even from meeting you, I could tell that you had been through a lot in your life just from the way that you care for your husband, just for the way that you treated me as you would a son, um, walking you to your car after the Atlanta premiere, and um, just the encounter that we had. I could tell you're an amazing mother. You're an amazing wife, the way you care for your family. And that's how that's how I know you. That's When I think of Sherry Rigby, I think amazing mother, amazing Um, person, and an amazing purpose, and God's going to use you so much more through that, and I'm just so thrilled and honored that you would come on this podcast and share your story and just go in depth about things that a lot of people try to hide and just how God has taken you from— that person that was binging drugs and in an abusive relationship to working with John Snyder, who was in the Dukes of Hazard, and <laughs> just so yep. many amazing people. And it's not that any one person is better than another It's those people have reached a certain part of their life where they can look back and say, okay, I tried and I got here. What would your mm-hmm. message be to the person that maybe they want to get into acting or writing books? What would your message be to them if they feel like they aren't, the person for it if they find their identity and in insecurity and don't feel like they were made to do something but they know for a fact they've been called to it what would your message be to them A.K. what would your message be to 16 year old sherry
1: yeah absolutely i would say run at it like your life depends on it um you know, well, first, Trevor, thank you for saying that. You've got me crying and you have literally today. I needed to hear those things. You know, they're, that's, that's so beautiful. And I really appreciate that. I want people to know me first and foremost, that a woman of God and love my family more than anything else in this world. Um, And the career comes after. But, you know, I I would say that First and foremost, whether it's acting or writing or singing or ministry, writing a book, pursuing a job as a nurse, I don't care what it is. When God calls you to something, you know, lean in, look at it, pray over it, passionately seek him, um, and then go. You know, you, you learn. I think that's something learn about, you know, if I was talking to somebody about acting, you know, um, the world's going to tell you, you are not enough more than you will hear you're enough. And so you really have to know who's you are, who you are leaning to God, make sure you keep him your passion. He's your purpose. Um, And don't let the world dictate how you are going to do your life. Only God can do that. But, um, you know, if you're scared of it, you're having anxiety or fear of it, you know, seek him out first, see what he's doing, look at the doors that are opening and then run after it like you've never run at anything before and know that when you're on the battlefield and God's put your feet on holy ground to take territory back, you better know that the enemy is going to come after you every way he can. And that's where we've got to be reminded each and every day in that morning to get right with God, to spend that time with Him, to put the armor on and get ready to do battle. Because, uh, you know, when you when you say yes, uh, it's time to go. You know, mm-hmm.
0: so deep, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Mrs. Sherry Rigby. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us for this today. This has been amazing. This conversation's mm-hmm. impacted me. I got teary eyed. I. I'm just so encouraged walk, walking away from this. And for everyone else listening, thank you so much for tuning into the Trevor Talks podcast. This has been Sherry Rigby. Her book, Consider the Lilies, is available wherever books are sold. And be sure to go check her out and the movie Overcomer in October, baby. You can check us out on social media at Trevor Talks or fearisaliar.co. We love you guys and we'll talk to you next week.
1: Woohoo!
0: dot com